What is this? It's a podcast, mate. What's it called? And what are we doing? It's got, why do you always make me do this bit? All two times. Deflecting, um, deflecting so uh, I'm about to be the name or face of the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Snowflakes, the podcast where we talk about left-wing shit and also movies. Uh, oh, I'm Anna Fordham. Yes, and I'm James Morgan. You didn't introduce yourself last time. Uh, I'm a human being um, and a, a, a hack and a fraud. Yeah, and uh, today we've got a guest! <laughs> yes, first guest. Episode three. Do the, do first the... guest. Oh, Taxi. <laughs> Introduce yourself, mate. Hello, I'm Mark Small and proud to be guest number one. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. You're, you're breaking our duck. And also, now now this is a predominantly male podcast, unfortunately. I just realised that. That's okay. Also, now. now a lot of people will think that I am breaking your duck, and that's a horrible euphemism. Breaking your <laughs> duck? I don't I've think I understand. That's for the best. Okay, fine, okay, fine, fair. understood. Film news. Right. Yes. So you you said you don't have very much for this, so do you two want to start, and then I'll get my notes up. Oh, well, basically, uh, what have we had? We had the big, the Golden Globes, didn't we? Yes, um, I have made the notes. The fraudulent awards ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate, please, because I don't know very, very, but the, 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 I don't know very much about I was going to get the, uh, like the winners up, and we can go through what, some so, of them. Okay, oh, yeah, all right, good. in which case, let me tell you what I've done. So go. I've got... Um, what this little thing means. I've made a, a, a graph of, because the Critics' Choice was also Oh, recently. the Critics' Choice, yeah. I've Probably got a little um, table of the like big winners and, um, and where they're the same and where they're different. What does that mean? Oh Sorry. my God. As in like, so who won Best Actor for Critics' Critics Choice and then who won it for Golden Globes? Oh, okay, that's quite and good. And where they're the same okay, so we can, and where we can, they're different. We can do this at the same time. Okay, great. So you give me a rundown and I'll, I will okay so the first thing I need to ask you James Morgan is that the critics choice have best cinematography yeah but I don't think the Golden Globes do I think one of them does and one of them doesn't um, might be the other way around why would you not have best cinematography right? just not a film award <laughs> it's just not important isn't that what one? you see on the screen is clearly not important when you're making a film <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not on the immediate list so um, I, will, I will oh that's frightening but yeah. um, here's, here's, the fun, here's the fun I, I feel thing. like I should boycott it yeah but here so I am reading out the winners maybe this is why it's fraudulent yeah. um, so I think if I'm correct and that the Golden Globes don't have cinematography awards that the only film to have won a cinematography award in the past fortnight is Top Gun Maverick because it won at the Critics Choice that makes me very upset I know (laughs) I can't believe that Mark Small's pulling a face Uh, I mean they did a lot in the sky it was impressive come on I I have to be honest I've not seen it (laughs) but I know I will have to watch it because I, I do this thing every year where I watch every single film nominated during awards season. Right. So I will watch it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to shoot jets, I guess. Is it? It's an achievement. Yeah. It's a massive achievement what they've done. Would you say it was enough to win a Critics' Choice Award? Cinematography. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. 
I, okay. ca- I can't believe the Golden Globes doesn't have best cinematography. I suppose, but there's a lot of categories in the Golden Globes, isn't there? It's, it's, yeah. It does like TV and. Um, I don't think that's the reason. I think it's because the Golden Globes love stars and cinematographers aren't stars. Uh, Hot take from Mark Small. Yeah. Well, there's only about, what, you 70 describe- of them and a dog voting? It's not a yeah. real. It's not. Thing. It's not a real, real. Which dog, though? Is my question. Is it Scooby Doo? <laughs> Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, where the um, Creek's Choice and the Golden Globes were the same is that supporting actor and supporting actress were won by the same people. So, no. Kei Han Kwan won for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Best Supporting yeah. Actor at both awards ceremonies. Yeah. Um, and Angela Bassett won for uh, Best Supporting Actress for Wakanda Forever. So it's nice to see Angela Bassett getting her flowers. Um, interesting to see it happening for a Marvel movie. What I was thought. the Marvel movie? Wakanda Forever. Haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I actually also haven't seen it yet. But, yeah. but I, you know, I, I'm not a big Marvel head, so I wouldn't have watched it. Like... Again, I'll probably end up watching it coming up yeah. in the next couple of weeks. But, but it's just interesting to see a Marvel movie get in, like, particularly for her role, rec- recognition for... What's that like? Well, but that's, that's the only thing that Marvel could be nominated for. And I'm a big Marvel head. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, performance-wise, it's DC that's getting all the... It's like oh, two it? Jokers. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Joker. That was a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So but they're doing another one with um, Lady Gaga soon. Lady Gaga? Yeah. I'm, I'm right We're not playing that, Joker, she's playing oh, okay. Harley Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> she's Harley Quinn. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't hate that cast. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of would kind of like to see Lady Gaga as the Joker, to be honest. I think that'd be quite funny. Yeah, I do think that would be funny. So, um, all right, I'll, I'll quickly run down. I mean, the one that sticks out to yeah, me, I was a bit like, I saw Best... Best direction was what's his face? Spielberg. Good. Spielberg, yeah. But well, I mean, like, what's the point? At Critics' Choice, yeah. it was the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, okay. Well, and Everything better. Everywhere All at Once also won Best Picture. At yeah, the which is Choice. good. But I still think, why are we? Get, why do we need to give um, Spielberg another award? No one needs an award. But Spielberg, you might consider one of the greatest if not the greatest director ever simply because of all the different genres that he does but what's this for though what what film the fablemans is that any good I haven't seen it yet. It's, I think it's literally just come out. So how do they know? Days ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the reason I've not seen it is because it hasn't been out in the UK for very long. Yeah. I, I just always think it's nice to give it to like awards to people that haven't had them before. I don't know if that's mm. that's stupid. But, but we we talked about this with the. Uh, what noms was it that came out that we was it? It was the Golden Globe noms, and we yeah, were like the only like non-establishment people on this list of the Daniels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> like so it was gonna go to Spielberg or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin Madonna. Or, I mean, I, I, again, I'll watch it and I'll um, I'll make an opinion on it. But it's Austin Butler one for Elvis. Have you seen this? Oh, I have seen Elvis. What did you think? What did you think? Because it looks mad. I think the performance. He doesn't say that much, but his performance is excellent. Okay. It's very Elvis. Yes. Yeah. It is. Uh, I mean, the film's okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. but he's great. Yeah. All I've seen is that really bad. Um, what's his name? Probably the most famous actor in the world. Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah. Mm. It looks a bit scary. Whichever accent he's choosing yeah. in a different scene. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. I mean. Yeah. 
It's uh, um, it's it's Elvis. Uh, Critics' Choice Best yeah, Actor yeah, was won by Brendan Fraser for The Whale. So I, I that's not out here yet. I, Which is not out here yet either. You, yeah, I can see. You haven't seen The Whale yet. I haven't seen Do you know it. What actually, what it's about? Yes, vaguely. Because I, I. I figured you'd have strong opinions. I do. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, right, Brendan Fraser is a survivor of sexual assault. I did not know that. Yeah. At the Golden Globes. Right, so he boycotted the Globes, didn't he? So this, this happened, I think, back in 2018, um, and it basically it sent him into a mental place that meant he had to take a hiatus in his career. So I have not seen the movie. I do have thoughts. However, it is really nice to see somebody who has had such a shitty time okay. getting, yeah. getting a critic's choice. Yeah. And his speech, I did watch his speech, and I did cry. That had the critic's choice, yeah. not the Globes. But he's boycotting the Globes, or he didn't go to the Globes, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He absolutely boycotted it way before because the person he accused right. is was part of the Golden Globes. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. We're not yeah, Golden Globes fans. Here. No. No, like I did I literally as the award show goes, I don't know much about it. I just know it's one of those ones that kind of is at the beginning of the mm -hmm. So why is it such a uh, a shithousery of an award show. Just because it's like famous people licking each other's bum holes, isn't it? Isn't that kind of a all <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. I think it's more of the organisation mm. right. was a, uh, oh, can we meet all the stars and then if you ply them with enough, they're the stars that would win? Right. This and is the there's one. not a diverse So Golden Globes, that's the one that had, used to have Gervais on it, didn't it? Yeah. That's the one yeah. that, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. And he'd insult them every year. Yeah, and it's that kind of loathsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, best actress, uh, obviously Michelle Kwan at the Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Michelle right, Yeo, it's yeah. Michelle Yeoh at the Golden Globes, one best actress. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett at the Critics Choice for Tar. Yeah, that looks quite good. It looks good. I think we should yeah. watch it. Yeah, well, it should, well, we're going to have to watch because I think it's going to be one of the big nominated ones isn't it yeah um, I think it looks like it's going to be between her and Michelle Yeoh for best actress at probably. the Oscars probably yeah I hope Michelle Yeoh wins I do yeah. I think yeah. Kate Blanchett will win yeah. yeah I mean she's supposed to be really 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 good at it yeah I read this really yeah and it looks hard it looks like a hard fucking yeah. article like that it looks like, like a film that's very mm. great yeah and I feel like films like that it looks like it's it's a playing a very complicated character. Mm. I think it just looks like one of those really good character pieces where you can do a lot with. I read an um, article that made me quite angry where they were basically like... Really? <laughs> yes! Uh, <laughs> not for James Morgan. Um, uh, where um, Michelle Yeoh, uh, they were like, she deserves to win. However, her speech at the Golden Globes wasn't like grateful enough and the Academy don't like that, so she probably that, won't this win. This is the thing that's absolutely loathsome about war, war award ceremony, yeah. isn't it? Like, all this kind of... Yeah. What what was it they didn't like about the uh, the the um, the speech? Oh, because so basically they tried to play her off the stage before she'd finished, oh, yeah. and obviously her winning was quite momentous because she's an Asian American actress and she's like sixty, I think, and she's yeah. winning like for the first time. Um, and it's quite like momentous and they tried to cut her speech short and she just went please shut up um, yeah didn't she have a go at the pianist as well yeah i felt very sorry for that pianist i did watch the clip and i was like 
it's not technically the pianist he's trying to get rid of it. He's got probably someone in his ear going, yeah, hey, yeah. damn it, play it. And he's yeah, like, yeah. I think the other thing is, it wasn't really the pianist playing. It was music that they played. So was everyone it? was having a go at the pianist, oh. but the pianist wasn't yeah. playing them off. I wonder how much that pianist got paid. That's the real question. <laughs> Danger money. Danger money. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, basically this article was like, well, she wasn't grateful enough in her award speech. Didn't come across I as mean, grateful enough. I mean, people chat a lot of shit. That makes yeah. no sense. No, I know. It? And they were like, but the academy likes you to likes to feel like you're grateful for it, so they might not give it to her. I was like, you wankers, if that's the case. That's very plastic. Isn't it? Very but plastic. Um, and I, then, hope, I still hope she wins, though. Uh, I'm sure um, Kate Blanchett is incredible in time. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Fablemans and Banshees of Insurance won best <laughs> films for the various categories at the Golden Globes, I believe. I mean, um, yeah. I think it kind of sets up pretty much what Oscar season is going to be, doesn't it? I just, I just hope that that everything everywhere picks up Something. a fair few awards. Yeah. They were the um, most, uh, most won. They won the most at the Critics' Choice. Did they? Yeah. I think the Critics' Choice is probably a better barometer of, of maybe how the rest of the season will go. Then. Probably. If it's critics. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So who votes for the Golden Globes then? Literally, I think it's it's international, 70 international critics. It's such a small pool of yeah. people, and there wasn't real Is it kind diversity of like if, if in there until this year. we started an awards show here and until now and just decided who we wanted to give awards to, but it's just that times maybe four yeah. five. It's okay, exactly that is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, whereas obviously oh, yeah. there's thousands of people who vote for the Oscars, yeah, so it's a yeah. little bit more legitimate. Academy, yeah. yeah, and, and if it's like people 70 people in the discipline, you're assuming that maybe like 55 of them are white men, really, realistically? Yeah. Given who historically they like to vote on these awards. It just, yeah, fair enough. Well, we'll stop talking about the Globes then. Okay, so because... I have one, an, another bit of news. Oh, go on. Mm. Alec Baldwin. Yes, has, has been charged in voluntary in, manslaughter. Uh, manslaughter for the death of Helena Hutchins. I was reading this whilst walking in the street and I thought it was a bit ironic because I was like walking into traffic whilst reading this. I was like, this is not, this is not, um, this is not me practicing health and safety, not alone on a film set, but just walking. And I thought, I should probably stop reading this. And then I got lost and then I yeah. found you. And then you had to ring me. Yeah. So that's a small little divergent story. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's... I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, someone no needs before. to... Yeah. And, some, and, and you're like, the thing is... Was it for him holding the gun or being the producer? Well, this is the thing. I, I'm, I'm not clear. Um, I think it's for him pulling the trigger. Is it? Right, which is a bit of a... Like, not if you take him out of it. It's, isn't that kind of a dangerous thing for actors being responsible for... Weaponry. What, the, the gun that's in their hands. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I I personally would like to see an investigation done about the staffing on that film. Well, because it, it, surely that's the bigger problem, isn't yeah, it? It's the staffing and the working hours. And, yeah. Um, Anecdotally, um, I've heard stories that, like, uh, people walked because the working conditions and the pay were so poor, yeah. so they were being crewed by a pretty... Um, like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like inexperienced yeah. crew. Well, that's um, what about this, the the yeah. fire the fire safety was basically that I think they were, they were really quite um, junior, mm. so that whoever was basically doing firearms on set, and I think. I think the dangerous thing is that you don't try and find the one person to blame. I think the, all the, the whole set and the people that are running it needs to take responsibility for it. So, but weirdly, you've got this position where he was a producer as well, mm. and I think 
if you kind of separate him as the actor and then the producer, I think it's a dangerous thing to say it's the actor's responsibility to know that the gun isn't loaded. But they, they're they not just going after him, they are going after the firearms person. Yeah, yeah. And the, the person, yeah, the AD, That's who the AD, yeah. he'd al he's already made his deal. Yeah, yeah. the AD, I think, said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll plead guilty. Yeah. Had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's fully he's I just, fully responsible yeah, his I just section. hope the people that you know because like, there's obviously there's a lot of people that are responsible for that and yeah. it's like I just hope it does stop in the right place the bar yeah. and I don't like, that people are thrown under to the be bus. fair if it was a novice actor yeah I think people would feel differently but yeah. Alec Baldwin's been on so many movies and had the experience of handling guns before yeah it he just has more knowledge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an experience actually on set, and I was working on set, and um, I actually checked myself a little bit because we had these, like, they were like cat guns, they're very obviously fake guns, and it was in a scene. And um, the guy, shout out to John Kerr, who was basically with us on the day, he wasn't there as the, the safety. We didn't have a firearms safety anyone because it was an indie horror film. But he was like, right, cool, I'm just going to check it's not loaded. And I was like, that's a bit ridiculous, it clearly isn't. He was like, well, even if it's plastic, I'm going to check. And I was like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Because it's like, it's, you know, it's things you take for granted, but like, you have to have that level of um, what's the word like um, not accountability but you have to like even if it seems stupid yeah you have to check and show and he was showing the actors like I'm just showing this is a fake gun it's mm. not loaded blah 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 but also it's a hab it's habit forming as well exactly yeah, yeah. Forming, forming habits with things like that and I was a bit like I checked myself a little bit I was like yeah well it's you know it's yeah but um, I think yeah this I, leads me nicely on to I texted you about this um, we've decided on this podcast we want to do a charity of the month oh yes um, in our link tree in our bio on Instagram which is at Snowflix podcast um, you're doing a very good job of running actually thank you so I have much to say. <laughs> um, but uh, the, this week we've chosen the Mark Milsom Foundation this month sorry and we'll we'll leave Mark Milsom up till the end of February uh, because obviously February is a shorter month um, Mark Milsom was the first ever camera operator I ever worked with on the Athena when oh. we shot the pilot um, and not long after we shot the Athena he was killed shooting a stunt sequence yeah, in Ghana but yeah Mark uh, was so lovely um, and his family made a foundation in his name to help uh, young people who are interested in camera work to get into the industry yeah. um, and also to uh, advocate for higher safety standards on yeah. set in the UK I think that's it's, it's really sad isn't it because as much as I love films and I love them as much as everyone but people shouldn't be dying on film sets it's just no. ridiculous because no. at the end of the day it's entertainment like it's not I always do the, I just, when I was work with other crew I would say just at the end like we're all here to shoot a film but just remember none of this matters mm. I always talk to like some of the people I work with like at the end of the day like your health and safety is, is more important than this entire film if this film doesn't get made and you go home alive that's still a win like it's yeah. it's you know I think sometimes people can get caught up in it sometimes because there's a lot of, but like no matter how much how much money's involved in this stuff and how much people love it people shouldn't be dying for yeah. it it's, but that's the positive thing that came out of the rust Alec Baldwin yeah, situation yeah. so many American shows and yeah. showrunners went yeah. we're just not using live ammo yeah. in our cop shows yeah. our TV shows yeah. but it seems so necessary it? Like it, it, yeah. you know, it just like does there need to even be like live rounds of a set why are they there it's, it's crazy really but. yeah um, I've got one last thing for news go you're um, fine with news like this this week you've got all the news go on the BAFTA noms have come out yes uh, 
Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front has been nominated for Best Picture at the BAFTAs, Best yes, British Film, I think. they've got the most nominations um, overall. They, they do. Um, but also, I want to just briefly talk about the EU Rising Star Award, which is an award I've always had a bit of a bugbear with in the past because I feel like what they do is they take people that are successful in theatre yeah. and say that they're like a rising star. And it's like, I get that they're a rising star in screen, but theatre oh, right. work is just as valid as... Oh, so you think it's like, yeah, it's... it's yeah. Okay, but anyway, that's that's a little bugbear of mine. Anyway, I so I voted for a woman called Sheila Ratim, yeah. who uh, is very successful in theatre. Um, she was in a musical called um, A Girl from the North Country. That's the Bob Dylan one. Which is the Bob Dylan one. And she sang Tight Connection to My Heart. It was about the third song in the show. And she sang it so beautifully that I sobbed maybe five bars in and didn't stop until she'd finished singing. Um, <laughs> so the people next to you were really happy about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they were. Um, but she. Is it an audible crying? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Um, but she is an astonishing performer. Yeah. Um, and so if you do get to vote, I mean, there, there are a couple on the list who are in sex education, which I would argue is a famous enough TV show that maybe it should disqualify them from a rising star award. Um, yeah. But for Sheila Ratim, I, I, I'd love to see her win it. So yeah, go vote for Sheila Ratim. But does it, great. It, I guess it depends on how you define star doesn't it? If you're yeah. popular in one show, yeah. like Sex Education, you're but not necessarily a star, seasons. but if you're Doctor Who, yeah. <laughs> then you yeah. are a star. See, yeah. that's it, because I, I'm, my, my stage knowledge isn't great. Like, I know something if it comes up and I get recommended it, but, but like, I wouldn't know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's... Star's a weird word in it's itself, a weird isn't word, it? Yeah. What is a star? Exactly. I feel like the, the parameters of who's eligible for that award yeah. keep moving, um, which is probably but my issue. But one it. for like um, supernova star, like a star that's completely washed up and is no longer relevant <laughs> and should hand out the award. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah. well, let's should we do the new release? Yeah, go on. You've got the flu and lost your shoe Saw the view and you said boo But listen you, don't feel blue Because we've watched something new What did we watch? We watched All Quiet on the rest of... On the what? (laughs) (laughs) On the what? Let's try this again All Quiet on the Western Front Which is a film that is on Netflix And was not made by Netflix No Um, All Quiet on the Western Front is, is a film Inspired by the book and is based on the book All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay, you said that very pointedly, and I can't wait to pull you up on it, um, because I have questions. Okay, fair. Um, but uh, do you want to give us a synopsis? Of the film or the book? Exactly, on, of the film. Okay, so on the... F- the, 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 f- um, the film kind of... It, 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 it follows um, Paul... I can forget his second name because I'm not very good with German Baumler? names. Baumler? Yeah. And it's basically... It chronicles his experiences during the First World War. And it kind of starts with him, you know, kind of signing up. And then um, it kind of jumps ahead a little bit towards the end of the war. Um, and you kind of follow his story on the kind of in the trenches whilst you're kind of following this other storyline about them signing the armistice with the French um, but generally it's quite similar to the there's there's bits that are different I mean have you read the book no and this is why I wanted to ask you yeah. what is 
what is because you're you love the book, right? Yeah. Have you read the book? I have not read the book or seen the classic 1930s. Oh, the 1930s version. I haven't actually seen the 1930s version. No, but Um, so like I wanted to ask what your experience was watching this in comparison. Like it's very. I'd say the heart and soul of it is there. There's (laughs) a couple of bits that differ, and the ending. I think you have to make up an ending that isn't in the book. And I. So the book has a very weird way of ending. Mm-hmm. It kind of let's let's jump to that bit later. Okay. Generally, is the film. What did you think of the film watching it? Um, I so I struggle with war movies as a general rule right, because most of them seem like propaganda to me of patriotism, and I did not get that from this movie. <laughs> well, it's I mean it's an anti-war film right. because because the book is an anti-war book. Mm. Um, this was this book was burnt by the Nazis. This is another one that was burnt by the Nazis. Ah, because this is um, first, yeah, right. Because it was released in the third, I can't help you. Around then, before the Second World War, anyway, yeah. the Nazis burnt it because they saw it as a kind of well, an anti-war book, and they were basically anti-war. <laughs> but like, generally, I loved the film, like, and I cried a lot. And usually, that means I like it. I mean, at the end, I had to go and like kind of pace around my house. And Nicole was watching me while trying to fight tears back a little bit. But I get very like emotional with, with First World War stuff because if you do it and you do it well, there's a really ridiculous story to tell of that many people dying for no reason. And it's just it's impossible not to find it what's the word? Like there's a ridiculousness to it. Yeah. When you're kind of sat there watching people like there's that great bit in the in the in the um and it's in the book, um, where he's stuck in the trench with the man he stabbed. Yeah. And that's like <gasps> You watch it and you're kind of like, I mean, in the book, that is that takes place over like hours, and wow. he's there with oh. the guy for hours. And the, but they have to even condense it for the film. Yeah. I thought they did it very, very, like very. I think the whole thing was done with a very, like a very. It served the book, and I don't think you can do a better version of the book than what on this film did. No. Yeah. But what did you think generally? I, I so I start. I had to start it twice because I was watching it and I was like how weird that they made this movie in Germany with German actors and then chose to dub them in English and then realized oh no <laughs> <laughs> and then realised that I'd been watching 15 minutes with the Netflix default of putting the English dub on so I then had to go back and watch it again yeah, from fair, the beginning uh, in German when I first subtitles. read this book I, f- I didn't realise they were German I mean I was very young yeah. and I was reading it. I, was about, I think I was about 15 when I was reading it I was doing that and I was reading it I was like oh they're German <laughs> okay, sorry oh quick like if Richard Colvin told me we should do this and I kept keep forgetting spoiler alert for the movie All Quiet on oh, the yeah, Western sorry. Front <laughs> and also massive trigger warning for war and death yes. or spoiler warning for World War One. yeah there is that what, what happened we all know <laughs> yeah um, uh, I think the thing I liked the most about this movie that took me out of that kind of patriotism propaganda place was that like and it, it feels weird to say that I liked this but like it was so gory yes so yeah like they, when when you saw people dying yeah. you saw people dying in such realistic ways yeah. that you couldn't like pretend it was like some great like Cause glorious it, moment because it is like a, a, a fine line isn't it I don't know if you've ever seen um any of Mel Gibson's films with war in it. Oh, Hacksaw Ridge. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that guy shows violence, but glorifies it. Right. In a sense where it's like, it's like, how mad's this? This guy's on fire. Mm. But whereas this, it felt like apocalyptic and horrible. And that was basically the takeaway. It's like, you can do violence, but you can condemn it at the same time. And you can show 
Um, I mean, there's the stuff in this. I mean, with the way it's written in the book, but they did it really well. In this was basically the stuff with the flamethrowers oh, and the tanks yeah. because it was a, it was it was very apocalyptic. It was like, and you you put yourself in their position. That's the first time any of that kind of. Um, it was towards the end of the First World War, they were kind of using stuff. They were like, oh, well, look, just throw it on the battlefield and see what happens. And that's kind of what they used. They started using like chemical weapons and like those tanks and stuff. And it's just, there's a kind of madness to it. And especially when it, it feels very apocalyptic. And you can imagine from their position, like, what the fuck is that? You know, and like, it's. Yeah. It's when a- watching this, I just felt there was two words going through my head mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. One was beautiful because yeah. it's beautifully shot, oh, yeah, it was, yeah. and brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether it's brutal of the violence, whether it's psychological, yeah. brutal, it's so the, the, the film is incredible mm. and I, I like war films and even even ones with propaganda I get that there's proper like every war film or country has their own propaganda you can't really hold that against a war film because that's what was happening during the war so the film should have it in it but the the great thing about this film is the way it starts on the battlefield so you see the horror of war before you see the young teenagers being yeah we're going to war because then it allows you to go yeah it allows you to go they're wrong immediately that intro was brilliant actually the way it started on the fox cubs yeah immediately i was like james would shoot the fox cubs for hours um let me just get this ladybird you know um but yeah i i I thought the beginning was beautiful and i was like i thought this was a war movie and then of course yeah yeah immediately you're just bombarded by people dying yeah i mean there's they did that a lot, I and mean, they, they, it's in the book, but they did it very, very well with the cinematography, was this kind of idea that the, that before all of this madness, this was a, a really lush landscape full of, like, you know, nature and things like that, but it's all just been kind of turned into this otherworldly kind of, like, it looks almost like the moon. And I think it's yeah. like, and there's a lot of uh, First World War, War literature where they describe No Man's Land looking like the lunar surface because there's nothing there. Um, and I thought they shot it really well, like and like you said, like it's kind of almost beautifully shot with the flares dropping yeah, and stuff. Absolutely. But it's hor- horrific in 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 that, like where you see the flares drop and you see someone tangled in barbed wire. But and you're right, they really do capture the just the awe of never having seen a tank before because we've seen tanks in loads of war movies but it didn't feel like that the way this film was I think in the book they described them as kind of animals they kind of like it's almost like you know the first time like you'd seen elephants in warfare or something they, they, they had this kind of like gargantuan mad property where they were kind of like living and breathing and they, you know um, but I think they captured those elements I thought they captured really really well like the dehumanisation is a big thing in the book where people get reduced to property and like um, the jacket jackets and boots yeah. and way more important than human beings he even has that line I think they hemmed in which isn't in the book where he goes I'm just a rifle and a pair of boots yeah. and that's basically what the soldiers were to the people back at home or the generals and stuff they were people to put their guns in the hands and the boots on and, so, and that's that's what the whole intro is about and I thought they did that so beautifully because 
in the book it's it's basically this guy's died and they're like well um, we need to use his stuff like in his boots and then it goes back and we kind of follow that process and it ends up in his and I've always like the way they shot it was brilliant um, it kind of did that through fair of just following and then to him throwing the uh, the badge down the floor was brilliant and there's a lot of that kind of collecting of like even the the necklaces, the neckerchief ne ne and stuff like that. It, every, all it's all about the movement of property between people. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big thing in the book, and I think they captured very well in the film. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very stupid thing to say. Go on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as ever, um, I right. I have like, and I think I've talked about this before. Like a sort of almost face blindness occasionally oh okay when people I've got it. Yeah. look very similar and there are I was watching this movie being like okay I think I thought this was the same person but actually I think this might be two different people and then I got to the end and realised it was three different characters that all looked so similar oh, was it the, 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 the guys with the tash all, all three strawberry blonde men with the moustache yeah, yeah. so I then had to go back and read a synopsis and figure out who was yeah. who because not only were the actors similar looking they were also styled exactly the same yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. and I know that that's an army thing but it, it just for somebody like me who's a bit dim um, yeah. it'd be like just an, a, a small marker would have really helped me yeah. to be like okay this is this one this one is this one because I know one of them's been nominated for best supporting at the BAFTAs but I can't for the life of me tell you which one was it, it is is it the guy that plays Cat the um probably yeah yeah he was really good yeah. he's the one that stands out he, and I he's think he's purposeful as well is he the one that um, is killed by the kid at the end yeah yes, yes he was excellent absolutely excellent I did think the fact that he went out for a piss so was a bit far. weird that was that my, like, not in the book? That it, that's kind of how, how it goes down, but I always thought the fact that like, they were literally shitting next to each other in the scene earlier on. I see what you mean. And then he's gone off for a piss ten miles into the thing. Obviously, you know, they're playing dramatic license for us to happen and yeah. to come back. And I, I get it. It's just like, did he need to go for a piss? And like, clearly they've been crawling in each other's shit for so long, you know. But anyway, I mean, that's a small gripe. I do but, have a question. Yeah, go on. And I have an answer myself, but I don't want to okay. see what like, other yeah, people's yeah, yeah, answers are. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, so, when the kid at the end is collecting the dog tags, snapping, snapping them and collecting them, off, yeah. why do you think that kid doesn't collect the... I've not thought about that. Uh, I noticed that, and I was, I was, I thought it was an error in like editing that they didn't show him. I didn't real, I didn't know uh, if it was meant to be like. I think I might have an answer, but this, my, because what I thought was, they didn't do that, so he, he wouldn't have a name, he wouldn't be registered, and you could actually believe that that character was a real person. Oh right, okay, I see. Because you, you couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we know, that yeah, it's yeah. not real. I think person. that there, there, yeah, definitely something around that. I think it could be also like so the the way the way the book ends, and this is the thing about the ending. I really like the ending. I know some people maybe might not like it because they don't explain how he dies in the book, and it's kind of alluding to the title. Because basically, what happens towards the end of the book, it kind of speeds up up a little bit, and you're kind of like, okay, what's the end of the war? And then it just says and he died and like everything was kind of quiet on the western front and it's done as a kind of it's, it's narrated by someone else so you get taken away from this character and you're like yeah and he died and it's a bit like oh Jesus like you've been yeah. following this character in the time then, then it, the narrator switches and the whole line is basically like no it was a quiet day today only a few people died and his name's essentially listed yeah so you kind of I think you do have to kind of invent or find a way for him to die 
so it could be in, in reference to that the fact that he doesn't take the dog tag and the fact that like he's almost forgotten about kind of thing I don't know maybe it's something to do with that I think I like your hypothesis I think you're right yeah there's something in that like or yeah as in, I, this is an audio medium. I looked at Mark when I said that. I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I think I like your hypothesis. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but I think it's it's nice to have something like that, the, 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 something to take away from that, because I think there's a few things you could take away from that. Uh, and I actually didn't think about it, because I, I always fixated on the fact that he took the scarf, he takes the thing yeah. off, yeah. and kind of walks off with that. But I just really like the ending, because... And I, I, I do think that, especially with this book, that you do have a bit of artistic license to go, okay, well, let's explore this ending maybe a slightly different way. It's very it's a very famous ending for the book because it's very, like, it kind of, it grabs you when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good way of doing it. It basically, it, it's basically the meaning of the the, the title that makes yeah. sense. This, this film makes me want to really, read the book. Yeah, the it book does. is really, really good. And it, um, and it rips a character away from you yeah, yeah. as a yeah. real person would be ripped yeah. away from you exactly. instantly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But um, there, I want to yeah. give a major shout out to the makeup design on this film, yeah. which is not something I ever thought I'd say about a war movie. Yeah. Um, but the the kind of because I I realised watching it I was like oh god the mud like I've never seen yeah, this in yeah, a war movie before. Yeah, the way you've done it. Yeah. And then I realised well they have to have that take after take, and so this is makeup department. Yeah, yeah. Like just this realisation of like that's so clever and so real and makes it look so. It was real. such a huge part of the scenes as well. Huge. The mud and, and the way it was like caked on his face it was disgusting. Yeah. And it was like it it, it made that scene in the trench like you know that scene that I think. I don't think I've seen a more harrowing film, like seen in a horror, in a horror film, a war film. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's aspect, right. Aspect, yeah, absolutely of, totally like, right. Because it's just, it's just a, it really sums up the whole thing. He's just stabbed this guy, but being able to being stuck there, having to realise what you've done, and seeing that happen for someone. I mean, you've got to remember this character so young, and watching him go through that, it was just harrowing. And there's this kind of, because obviously this guy can't speak because he's been. Mm. stabbed it all across his chest and there's a moment where he tries to clean him off and stuff and it's just like it's harrowing like but it it brings you back to the violence and it's like well you've seen this violence happen but they're showing the human face of what's happened Mm. and i think that that that's what makes it an anti-war film is seeing the you know the the human face of like the victims of war rather than just them just exploding off for no reason and being like oh how horrible is this and actually Mm. seeing that it was just it wasn't the stabbing that was the really brutal part was the fact of him having to sit there and he couldn't escape as well yeah this circle sat there watching looking at what he'd done it's yeah it's a quite iconic scene actually but like i I mean i was tired james morgan bait isn't it yeah, this film was James <laughs> yeah. But like, the, just to talk about the cinematography separately, yeah, I just thought it was incredible. Like, just, just the way they managed to capture aspects of it. Uh, 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 you know, when you read a book and you watch the film, the cinematography did a lot of what the book describes. You know, obviously, there's bits in books where they kind of describe something in such yeah. detail, like really vividly, but you don't get in film. But this did a really good job of showing that visually, and I kind of like that. That's how they translated cinematography-wise, like even down to like the the tanks feeling like animals and yeah. things like that. But there's a beautiful shot that's um, after he's been bayoneted, 
and he's just looking up the stairs and the light is coming through and you go that is a literal stairway to heaven you've given us there yeah so all of that that scene was brilliant as well just that yeah. kind of I mean it, yeah it's in, I think it's it's borderlining on melodramatic because it's the end of the war 15 minutes left it's on yeah. the strike he gets killed but it's it's an allegory isn't it so like I think you if you're going to do something that you know you, it hits home why not go all out with it um because I, I mean it, it, it if you look at the, the the soldiers that died in those like last you know i think the, the, the last actual battle of the first world war was like um like literally around when the armistice was like those so they were actually still fighting up until the 15 minutes like yeah. and soldiers still died in that time and they you know they even set the date to be the 11th day of the 11th month so it'll be memorable but people died because of that so it's yeah. like there is a, a kind of, there, like there's a madness to now. it um, but yeah generally I, I just I just really enjoyed this film and I, I hope it does well um, yeah, it's a top recommendation the thing that made me the angriest which is weird yeah uh, is that I didn't see it in the cinema yeah yeah see this is a big thing isn't it because yeah. it's this would like I think this would have killed me at the cinema and yeah. like I think it didn't, it didn't get a theatrical release did it it was just a Netflix I one. don't think not yeah. in this country I don't no. think like how did you watch it did you watch it on your just a TV at home yeah I did yeah yeah, yeah. on my it, TV at my dad so it was like a yeah. pretty decent sized TV yeah. as well, it so. screams out to be seen on the big screen doesn't it totally it absolutely but I, I don't know how I would cope actually watching all of that gore so yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I wish I had but I think it would like kill me <laughs> yeah well that's yeah like I mean, it's, you, you basically I think with the cinema you basically enhance all the emotion don't you the, the, yeah the, the, all, all the emotion you feel is just mm-hmm. heightened by the sound and, and that's and it we didn't talk about sound design but it's yeah. incredible yeah, it's yeah. Brilliant. yeah and yeah. it's and, and it's not like um, the, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't use that kind of like um, of the time sounds like they, oh yeah that's what was really good that that, yeah. that kind of foreboding kind like of almost yeah. like a, track a guitar that kept going almost through, yeah. it sounded like a, i really miserably guitar. listened to the soundtrack on the way here just oh, to great. get just to get just to get pure vibes <laughs> on the train well, so yeah, it, was, it was very like ominous wasn't it with yeah. that kind of yeah. weird synth i think nicole at one point asked me what instrument it was i think it's some kind of it was some kind of electronic instrument it wasn't yeah, a horn th- or anything was I it i think it, it might I, it, it might be a guitar with sort of pedal effects or oh, some right, kind yeah. of a synth. Yeah, or, but yeah it, it's, it's an electric for sure. It's definitely electric sound, isn't yeah. it? But it was very like a horror-esque. It was, um, yeah. 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 Um, ratings? I'm going to give it five just because, like you said, this is, this is, this is a James Morgan uh, bait film. But um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Ooh. I'm going to give it... 4.9 That's <laughs> <laughs> The one I like is a strong 4 <laughs> I, think, I think mine's a strong 4 um, Like if I didn't have this weird face blindness thing Like if the plot was clear without me having to google things yeah. It would be a 5 I think that's the thing isn't it Like giving a, a slight marker for the characters Yeah just something Like so they did it with the guy with glasses I can never remember his name And it's possible if I was watching it in my native language It would have been Easier. Easier, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm dyslexic, so subtitles scare me anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but I did um, have to turn off, uh, yeah. like, I, I'm just not good with subtitles. I find that I'm basically reading subtitles and not looking at the, the shots. Mm. If I get really frustrated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really strong form. It's, it's beautiful and 
I just wish I, I like you, I wish I could have seen yeah, it in cinema. It is a shame. You're a prick. You're a dick. Please go fuck yourself. Who would you like to go fuck yourself? Or themselves? Okay, so I I promised myself when we started this podcast that this was not going to be my go fuck yourself every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, this one person? This, uh, it will become clear. Okay. Um, and that this was only going to be allowed to be my go fuck yourself occasionally. My go fuck yourself this week is the English government. The what? The English government. And I'll be really clear. Uh, I think I know what this might be. Um, I mean English government, not British government, because this does not include you, Scotland. It absolutely doesn't yeah, include you. There's going to be a lot of crossover in this because. Uh... <laughs> okay, so I want to, but but just the whole shithousery of it. Go fuck yourself, Suella Braverman, for telling a Holocaust survivor that you would not change your language to quote, uh, like, um, to to demonstrate the scale of the problem on immigration. Go fuck yourself. Um, go fuck yourself, everybody uh, that voted against Scotland being able to pass the GRA uh, on Section 35. Section 35 in 10 years' time will be talked about the way we talk about Section 28 now. Um, like Grimm, all of you go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourself, Keir Starmer, for having Labour abstain. He was kind of high on my list. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Angela Rayner, for claiming to be for trans people and then not showing up for us. Um, yeah, all of you, go fuck yourself. And I just want to really quickly read out the names of the 11 Labour MPs that voted against blocking the GRA in Scotland. Um, Olivia Blake, Ben Bradshaw, Richard Burgin, John McDonnell, Charlotte Nichols, Kate Osborne, Ben Ribio Addy, uh, Lloyd Russell Moyle, Zara Sultana, Nadia Whittam and Beth Winter. Thank you, you 11. Only 11? 11 of the whole Labour Party did not abstain from the vote. 11. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn wasn't in the country, so he couldn't vote but he's independent anyway now um but yeah the rest of you where the fuck were you um please never come to a pride event ever again you do not yeah, get to use yeah. us as a photo op absolutely not um yeah uh, thank you to those 11 thank you to daisy cooper the st albans lib dem who did show up and voted against blocking the gra um yeah the england government go fuck yourselves yeah into eternity and back yeah it's ridiculous though isn't it because it's like on the on as a separate issue how are you going to tell anyone who's scottish that that they shouldn't vote for independence yeah how are you going to pretend this is a union of equals if you're allowed to when on earth has england ever had to ask scotland for permission to do something well yeah no it just doesn't happen right <laughs> but, but like it, it completely undermines the devolution process anyway right. so it's, it's stupid anyway there's, there's two ways that can go, go fuck yourself because it's, it's it's weaponizing um a marginalized community mm. but also it's even if even if you were scottish and you maybe didn't support the bill you're whatever you whatever you're going to support isn't going is kind of null and void it's mm. just ridiculous so yep. yeah that's so, yeah. kind of taken up my whole section of uh, my soapbox section but that's oh, fine you, yeah, you, you, you pretty much <laughs> eloquently um said what basically what i was going to say so yeah, yeah. i could have gone i can't on believe longer. it's only 11 11, that's, 11. That's and the, the people that like really claim to stand up for us weren't there so like the dawn butlers the angela rayners the rebecca long baileys they didn't yeah. vote Rebecca Long yeah. yeah, she didn't vote. Like she, she. It might be that she has a valid reason, but if she has, she didn't. She didn't yeah, this is you get a bit frustrated because a lot of them have paid a lot of lip service to. Yeah. Failing to well, she, the she's like since the vote had this whole thing on on media and people are being like, yeah, Rebecca Long Bailey, um, and, and she's being like, it's appalling that we've blocked this bill. But babes, you didn't show up to vote. 
Why not? Where were you? Yeah. Anyway, so that's my go fuck yourself. Well, mine's going to have to change now. <laughs> um, well, we can agree. That's however, okay. I did have this one in my back pocket, and it's a bit rubbish, but it's whoever invented uh, a gun for the first time. Because watching... <laughs> because... <laughs> Having watched like All Quiet on the Western Front, yeah, and then reading about um, Alec Baldwin and all this stuff, I was like, "What a weird thing to to bring into the world." Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Would it be Smith and Wesson or someone like that? I don't, whoever, whoever, whoever invented the NRA. Well, yeah, they're like they're the, the the religious like you know follower of the gun, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. But like, I, I just find it it. it and that's that's something that kind of comes out of the all quiet in the world a little bit. It's like when they bring out these flamethrowers and things like inventing these mad ways of killing each other. It's it's just when you break it down to a very fundamental thing, it's very strange for a thing for someone to invent, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's a firearm. It's like oh, you can have an assault rifle now. You can use that to hunt deer out in the outback for. Uh... But yeah, it was going to be Keir Starmer. But he kind of got lumped into your. Uh... Oh yeah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, so. all of them can go fuck themselves. I can't blame Keir Starmer for inventing the gun though, can I? Because that would be slander. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get sued on episode three, so. No. Yeah. Well, who would you like to go? Starmer. Um, other like... than the Golden Globes. <laughs> yeah, other than the Golden Globes. Uh, I feel like my go fuck yourself is a uh, is it's not an imaginary person. It's definitely a real person or persons yeah. but I don't know who they are okay go on. right so there's the recent uh, sexual abuse case right R word that I don't want to yeah uh, and the woman posted the audio online right of her of 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 her attacker admitting the offense oh I heard about and this. then there yeah, were yeah. texts that were written that backed up that so there's written evidence yeah and there's audio evidence yeah and in the court case even though the, she won the court case and he's gone to prison for five years the decision was not unanimous so therefore there's one there's 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 at least one person who sees the evidence? I know it's a society problem, but I'm just targeting that one I or think possible they... more people on the twelve men and women true. Yeah. If it's three out of twelve, if it's one out of twelve, it yeah. doesn't matter. Those people can go fuck themselves. There yeah. is not. A, yeah. There's no part of me that can understand it's different it's different when you get people who go we fact checked Trump and people yeah. just go I don't care because they have an investment yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like yeah, you yeah. know Republican whatever it doesn't matter which side you are it doesn't matter you have an investment when it's a legal case you don't know either person you're yeah. just supposed to look at the evidence yeah. and so it wasn't unanimous and on one side you have audio recordings and a writing and on the other side is I didn't do it 
Yeah. Which yep. is so they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Correct. Okay. What I liked about your go fuck yourself is that you were still appreciative of some people. Yeah, there was and a that was nice. Like, yeah, there was a positive yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, because uh, I, I truly want those eleven MPs to get their flowers. I really do. Yeah, Zoltana was on that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh good, yeah. she's she's always doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, what is next recommendations? Gone. <laughs> you like films, and I like films. We're birds of a feather. So recommend me something good and we'll like films together. I do like that. There's a kind of there's a kind of great there's a kind of there's an almost laziness to the last end of it. It's kind of like yeah, that's that's what you're yeah. gonna get as the rhyme. Yeah. It's brilliant. I wrote that in the dressing room in the interval of one of our pantos. And <laughs> yeah. And I, I was sitting there writing the little clarinet part and um, the woman who was sharing my dressing room with me, Marta Miranda, who we'll hear from later in the episode, um, uh, was just like could you play that clarinet part? And I was like, fuck no. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's got like fucking E sharps in it and shit. Yeah. E sharps? Yeah. Um, recommendations. I went first last week, so you go first. Well, in fact, do you guys want to do. Watermelon Woman? Should we talk about Watermelon let's Woman? Let's do. Because we talked about everything ever all at once first last week. Correct. So let's yes. talk about Watermelon <laughs> yes. Woman. Uh, James, uh, spoiler alert for the film The Watermelon Woman. Don't make Woman. me do a synopsis of this film, I'll ruin it. Please synopsize it for me. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, trigger warning for racism and homophobia. Homophobia, yeah. Um, so the synopsis... Right, so it's a film within a film. And the synopsis of the inner film is... Uh, a black lesbian filmmaker is hunting for information about an uncredited um, black actress from the 30s who played exclusively mammy roles and uh, who is only credited by the moniker The Watermelon Woman. The film around that inner, inner film is that we watch this filmmaker's life while she makes the this film. documentary. Yeah. So is it a documentary or is it a film? So, this, the watermelon woman's not real. Right. So it's not a documentary. It's the whole thing's yeah, because it, it like, I, I, it was a really interesting way to tell a story. I thought, like watching it, I was quite. Um, well, you say you're watching a film in a film. Yeah. And there were bits a part of it that literally felt like. Um, what you would record if you were trying, like, you know, the bits where they're just posing in front of the camera and stuff. Yeah, like. There's yeah. really nice little moments in it. Um, when did it come out? It came out... 96. 96, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I remember my first takeaway when I watched this film for the first time is I was so shocked at the end, and this is why it affected me so much, to find out that the watermelon woman wasn't real because I thought that like the way the story was told I yeah. was convinced that it was like a fictional film about a real search for a real yeah, yeah, woman yeah. Um, so when, and, and Cheryl Dunye who wrote and directed and starred in the movie had a quote I think it was um, oh god I'm going to bastardise this but, it, it, but paraphrasing she basically went um, we don't have a recorded history so sometimes we have to invent our own that's it that's the quote at the end and now everything makes perfect sense yeah right okay <laughs> I yeah because the, the ending made and I kind of twigged a little bit but now you say that that makes the, perf the ending make perfect yeah. sense had you seen this film Mark? I had not seen this film mm -hmm. and in fact I hadn't heard of this filmmaker mm. so I watched the film mm -hmm. 
and then watched interviews with her now. Obviously, she's a lot older now. Yeah. She's in she directs mostly for telly now, and I think. She is so incredible mm. to listen to mm. as a filmmaker. And whatever... Don't get me wrong, I don't think this film is perfect or... No. It's a low-budget movie. It's, it's very rough around the edges, yeah. yeah. Like, you're not, it's not about cinematography. I think no, the, no, the no, idea yeah. is... The idea that she had was incredible. Yeah. The concept is fantastic, but yeah. even if people don't watch this film, search her out to learn about filmmaking, why you should make film, the yeah. art behind yeah. film. I've watched three hours of her just talking about film. Yeah. So she is yeah. so impressive. It's infectious, isn't it? That yeah. Stuff? yeah. And obviously, I'm old enough to start watching this film in 96 and go, I remember those pieces of clothing. And that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even though, and, and the film is a, a comedy, like people yeah. think it's yeah. be a heavyweight. It's not, it's, it's, no, a, it's very... a good comedy. Yeah. And, and it's lovely to see a film with black people in it that is not a body horror film yeah. like slavery yeah. and yeah, yeah. stuff like that and that it has a lightness and it's got little vignettes of dancing and yeah. hope yeah yeah i mean there is one dance section that i felt that's so been influenced by the opening uh, theme of the cosby show <laughs> Which is, which is great because of who Bill Cosby was at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it so was it was America's dad, yeah. dad before yeah. he became America's <laughs> America's um, nightmare. Sure. Yeah. yeah, like I think I, I love that aspect of it. Is it is a kind of um, a spin on that kind of um, kind of clerks. Have you seen Clerks? The, no, I haven't. Yeah, but like they, you know, they work in the, yeah. the, the the video shop, and it's clearly a filmmaker's film. Yeah, and that's what I really liked about it. Is the kind of, in a sense, it's like it shows what you can do even just with an idea. Even mm. if you've just got an idea and you don't have all the gear, you can you can do this. But it was just a bit of a love letter to just making a film because you want to tell a story. Like I, I love that stuff about it, and I love the fact that it was light um, and funny and witty mm -hmm. um, but friend like, Tamara is great oh yeah. she's so yeah. funny she's yeah. brilliant and the particularly the, the, the moment when I watched this film that it really sold me on it was in the karaoke bar when she gets up and sings from Minnie yeah. and Tom <laughs> And I'm, and I was waiting all, for that bit in the song, you know, the, 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 the really yeah. high bit. And they don't cut, because they can easily just do the first four bars and you know what's going to happen. Terrible yeah, yeah. Singer. But because you know this high note is coming, they let it go on yeah, yeah. and on until she's done it. That's um, but that scene, that scene opens with like a terrible white boy singing. Um, and then there, there's a bit of a gap and then you meet this woman. Who's oh yeah, that like, was really awkward. Yeah. It's one of those awkward things I've ever seen in film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and watched then, the guy in a trench. Oh, watch yeah. a man that he's been stabbed to death and that scene of her singing wow um, but yeah and then she gets up and she does her karaoke and and she's on the first date with Cheryl Dinier's character and um, and she sings this high note and you just see Cheryl Dinier like sink in her chair like this is the worst date I've ever been on and it just was the most relatable shit I've ever seen um, yeah I mean getting to see like silliness in a film with a predominantly black cast is something yeah. I feel like you don't get very it's, often it's, yeah it's it, that's why it's nice to see that kind of like the, the 
the classic banter in the video shop was something I loved. Mm. Like the like you said, it's and especially at the time, I was trying to frame it as at the time of a film like this. It's like '96. It's a very different world this yeah. film was made into, and that's why it kind of feels like a way ahead of its time in a sense. The way the way it was made. Yeah. Um, because the ending took me by surprise a little bit. Just our because I wasn't because it was it's an hour and twenty this film, isn't it? Because yeah. it comes it comes quite quickly. Um, but watching it back, I almost want to watch that last fifteen minutes again when you told me about the last quote mm. because it kind of puts that last bit into context completely yeah. but um, I, I just love the like the like dramaturgy of it the like the storytelling of, of it and the just the, the journey of this movie like it just really struck me the first time I mm. yeah like it just makes me want to make films and like I love Even films like if you've like got that. no money <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it just shows you, you just need an idea yeah and if you've got an idea you know and I think the the rough around edges of the film is what kind of gave it its heart really mm. um, it just felt felt like you know like a proper filmmaker's film yeah. really without this, having the big shots and the rest yeah. of it it just just it's an idea and a story this film made me check myself as well when I first watched it because I think when I first watched it it was I think it was in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd's death in the States and so a lot of white people were having conversations with themselves about their internalised racism yeah and watching Diana who is the white girlfriend's character the white girlfriend character kind of she spends the whole movie trying to make herself seem important by her proximity to blackness like right. by being like i was born in jamaica and i know all this stuff about this like about your community and whatnot and um and i remember watching that and being like i've definitely done that and that's <laughs> fucked up <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should probably not do that before again. Yeah, I mean, it's... but she is oblivious. Yeah, I don't think she's like trying to hang on to something in a way that she wants to own it. Yeah. She literally feels like I've lived it. I'm part of it. I get it. Mm. Yeah, and like, yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to have a boyfriend who was white, who had a mixed race brother, who every time we were at a party and there were black people there, he would be like, I'm going to be in their group because those are my people and would like oh, wow. very performatively be I mean, like she's not as bad as that no 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 no, no. Categorically. not as bad as that but like I, I remember distinctly um, going to a particular party that shall remain nameless because I don't want to embarrass myself um, but uh, going to a particular party where he went up to a group of black women that he'd never met before and like within five minutes they're talking about the way he eats chicken off the bone and I was just sitting there like at, at, oh my god yeah and at the time I was like oh he's just being drunk and stupid and in hindsight I'm like Whoa. Is this um, who we shall not name? Yes, this is who oh, we wow. shall not name. Yes. Was he dressed as Colonel Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the only time that that conversation was appropriate. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Is that is that the function you think she was playing in the in the story? Yeah. The character. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how it kind of felt. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know whether that's me projecting because I recognise some of my past behaviours in it. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think. I I just wanted it to be a little bit longer. Did you? Yeah, because <laughs> again, like this is me coming out the ending. The, the ending took me by surprise. I thought there was more, mm. you know, more to come. 
Yeah. And I don't know if it was because the runtime, it was an hour and 20, which was, yeah. is a, a weird length for a film, isn't it? But mm. it's it does make sense. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I just wanted to see a bit more of it, mm. um, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. It just no. that it just means that, that I was invested. Yeah. I think if you're going to watch it, though, you do need to take into consideration the budget. Oh yeah. The yeah. year. Yeah. Like, you could have had to do that in the first 15 minutes, yeah, yeah, quite quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is I'm, this is the film I'm yeah. watching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was your general experience watching this, Mark? Apart from shaming myself with some of the clothes that I had back then and me loving kid and play and house party and stuff like that, um, I just I I was I was in awe of what this person had achieved with basically nothing yeah. mm. and then if you think about what this film represents as uh, for a black lesbian filmmaker and yeah. then you go right so that was 1996 yeah. now tell me all the other films since yeah. that yeah. and this is this is clearly a seminal film people know this film I didn't know it but a yeah. lot of people know it and the fact that I didn't know it is a problem yeah, I think yeah. Like, I always, you always do that after films yeah. like that. You was like, okay, what what happened after that? And you're like, not yeah. a lot. You know, well, she she directs for telly now mostly. Yeah. I think so. She did um, Dear White People, and I think. Oh, did she do Dear White People? She she did a couple of episodes of Dear White oh, People, yeah. and I think she, so she also did a couple of episodes of Lovecraft Country, which I've not seen. Um, but yeah, so she has done stuff since. But did I, it, this I think is like her seminal. Yeah. Did it did it get um, plaudits when it when it was released in '96 or was it kind of? I actually don't know, but it's definitely been um, it's been put in the United States archives as a film of cultural significance. So whatever that means. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so since it's been like lauded as like this is a film that is culturally significant. But yeah, like like you say, Mark, like I can't to mind think of a film that does something similar that in, yeah. in like terms of showcasing black lesbians like I'm really sure that's that's in a positive way in a yeah. positive rather way. than but, seeing but, them but, in but orange is the like, only black yeah, in like, prison tragedy. And, and tragedy like yeah. that's what I mean it's like it's, it, it doesn't have to it had that, that that light moment of just it was a slice of life in a sense as well yeah. and you don't really especially at the time you just wouldn't you, the, the, you, you just didn't get that um, and I'd love to watch it in the context of the time because um, it's always it's impossible to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Like, no much as you try and get yourself in that headspace, and I mean, like you said, like you said, like seeing them sit there talking about what films to pair together, like Aliens and whatever, and I was like, yeah, I'm digging this film quite a bit. Cause, yeah, like, sure. <laughs> even just going in and renting videos, I get nostalgic. But like, uh, yeah, it's it it just makes me feel like I should be making a film now. <laughs> and you, 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 you complain about like, oh, we don't got these things that you like. Well, if you really wanted to do something, you could literally do it tomorrow. Like, yeah. you know, there's not really an excuse why, you know. But it's 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 just a very inspiring film, I think, mm. from 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 two aspects: the filmmaking aspect and the fact that it's a voice that we don't always hear, and yeah. it's just nice. And there is that thing of uh, distance and age because you can watch it. Like, I have a particular experience. I was around. I was in yeah. my 20s when this came out. So, But there's people who have never seen a video story. Don't So I'd be interested to 
hear what someone who has no frame of reference yeah but they still have no frame of reference for, to see a black lesbian filmmaker yeah so yeah, for me it just feels way ahead of its time mm. yeah that's brilliant um, I'm going to give it a four yeah because I just want it to be a little bit longer mm-hmm. and I think that's about it mm. and I didn't cry and I usually base any film that makes me cry I get five <laughs> um, but that you know it was a really really good film you're um, never going to love any comedy then are you no, I cry at comedies sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But like, because they're not very you, good anymore. <laughs> when you kind of, it made me want to rewatch the last 15 minutes, knowing that, like, because I knew that quote meant something with yeah. the way it was placed. So I was like, oh, right, that, yeah, it kind yeah. of, it would have been good if that quote was at the beginning. I would have then taken that into the film a little bit. But I think the point is that you're meant to buy into it to the extent where you think it's real. Right. And then it's, at the end, it shatters it by being like, by the way, this is all fake. Right, yeah, yeah. Mark Small? I find this a tricky thing to give a mark to. I feel like concept is five. Easy. Yeah. But because of certain limitations and some acting limitations yeah. yes. I'm going to take it down yeah. to 3.5 just yeah. for, for the movie but concept and just what was achieved is 5 yeah, yeah. Th- this film like again it, it's like kind of ungradable in terms of like you should definitely watch it like everybody should watch it yeah um, especially if you're a filmmaker but, but yeah I think for me it's a 4 like a, a steady, a good four. A steady four. Steady these words four. that get attached to it. A steady four, a good four. A fantastic woman. Yes. It's a Chilean movie. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's not the original title. Um, True. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in essence, the spoiler alert for a fantastic woman. Trigger warning for um, assault, transphobia. Uh, I think that's it. That's it. They're both pretty <laughs> yeah, shitty things, it. but yeah, um, yeah. and uh, basically, a trans woman's uh, partner dies, and it's just about her, the early stages of her grief and the barriers she faces to be able to grieve, like the bigotry of the family and the police investigation. I was very shocked when I gave you this one that you hadn't seen it. Yeah, I'd never honest. seen it. Yeah. yeah. What um, did you think of the film? Okay, uh, this really upset me. This film really upset me. Um, yeah, go. Like, it's a brilliant... It, not because it's not a great movie, it's a great movie. Um, but, like, what this this film does so well is, like, the mistrust... I mean, an experience. This is only one of the plot lines, but the, the, the mistrust and experience that trans people have, um, uh, like, dealing with any official government... Uh, or like uh, systems of power uh, that they encounter. So it's, I'm thinking especially of like the police investigation and that, you know, she she had to be like, she you could just see in her face every time she encountered a police officer or the hospital or whatever, that she was just like, oh my God, somebody's gonna ask to see my ID or, yeah. you know, and just be shit to me basically. Um, yeah, I'm, and um, I think it was a bit raw because I uh, last week had to reapply for my passport and, um, uh, the only options were male or female, and the only monikers I could have were Miss, Mrs. or Ms. Um, and they were like, if you want anything different, you have to do it by deed poll. And I was like, but I'm poor um, and don't have time. Um, 
uh, and and I was just like this these fucking systems man and so that that I think hit for me a bit harder than maybe it would do just in my general life um, I mean it's pretty topical considering what you hear your right uh, yeah, right so. um, but uh, she so the the actress who plays the lead um, she was brought on as a um, as like a consultant like a script really? consultant yeah that's how they initially hired her um, and then yeah and then working with her um, on the script and like she making her suggestions and like hey this is what my life is like as a trans woman after they'd worked with her for a bit they were like we should just offer her the part so she wasn't an actor she'd never acted before right I didn't know that and it was working with her as a script consultant and I think that we talked about this a bit with Tangerine I think yeah where we, pulling from the experience of the actor yeah we wished that they had had maybe a, a kind of story inspired by credit and, yeah. and this time this woman did and she consulted on the script and then she played the part and I yeah. thought that was like really refreshing Daniela Vega thank you yeah. yeah but yeah my my experience watching this it's horrible but overwhelmingly positive in terms of what it is yeah what about you Mark I feel like this is going to be a weird way to go about it I would like to start with what I didn't like about the yeah film. go on it's been a while um, since I've seen it so <laughs> um, there's a there's moments in this film that feel like plot devices like the key and what yeah. the key means oh, and yeah. wh where that's Remind going what the key is again. It, it goes to it if key is one of her partner's possessions yeah. that she doesn't know where it goes to and eventually yeah. Yeah. a random person comes into the cafe yeah, yeah. and has yeah. something and then she goes which is a great scene going to the sort of but, but I think the mechanics of a few of the things in the film detract from how great the film is. It's a great character study, yeah. and I and I don't need the sort of fake mystery. Oh in, right, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything else I found fascinating, but there are a few things that I just went. Oh, I thought that was going to lead somewhere. Like Daniela uh, uh, immediately uh, punches punches one of those machines that you hit in a in a fairground yeah. that she's got in her house, and then she does shadow boxing, and then she hits the ball. And thought, okay, this this seems to be visual symbolism of the fight within it yeah. where is it where is it going to end up yeah. but it doesn't it just has those three things yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then the movie opens with the waterfall which we know that was the initial destination I thought well oh how is that going to come back yeah. and it doesn't yeah. and I'm like okay I, yeah. I feel like some of the film made me do some real work heavy lifting mystery yeah. thing and it and it all goes to nothing and that's a bit of a distraction yeah. from the greatness of, of the kind of character what, story yeah. the, the, the emotional journey of Daniela's character yeah, yeah. that's my only criticism otherwise the film is brilliant I'm not like that <laughs> yeah. because I can't remember those but now you've mentioned it because, because they're not important yeah yeah, yeah. Because her, her journey is incredible. The like you you literally hate almost everyone yeah. she encounters, but she she treats them with such so dignity, dignity and respect, yeah. that you go. What did you think about really the? Because um, there's that other bit where she's 
walking and then she's like it's kind of very artsy where she's like being blown by the wind and like oh carrying. i loved it yeah i love that bit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think it's yeah. just like sometimes i think it's that stuff that really visual way of saying something like it's that's kind of what film's supposed to be isn't it yeah like, absolutely just belief a little bit and like just seeing that visual struggle against like you said that wind could be everyone else in that film because everyone's just an absolute bastard i mean even the kinds of like dream sequency flashbacky her seeing him kind of everywhere yeah um kissing him at the morgue um and like the kind of dance sequence in the club like none of that bothered me i like i liked that because it said something about her but mm. i think you're right the sort of deus ex machina of like the key and like the fact that the waterfall didn't and the, the tickets like where are the tickets didn't think we were going to get Jesus Machina into this podcast but you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did Caitlin Durante's introduction to film writing's course yeah. so <laughs> 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 um, yeah I, so I, I, I think I'm with you Mark but like I I would have cut those bits to make room for like more of her because yeah. at the end of the day is the interesting stuff I mean and, and all of the stuff like when she's at the hospital and like the the police officer like makes her show her ID and obviously her ID is yeah the photograph looks different and the name and the gender on it are different um, and you don't even have to see the ID or the dead name or the photograph you just know by the officer's reaction all of that stuff is really clever yeah, um, yeah I, and I would have do you think it's a case of the director feeling like these bits needed in it to to get other, another another part of the audience that maybe weren't as invested as some other people. They feel like oh, almost lazily going, oh, well, let's th throw it in some books. Yeah, let's throw in a, a plot, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think what we're meant to think is that the tickets to the waterfall are in the sauna locker, and obviously they're not. Yeah. Um, but we... Like, honestly, the, the tickets to the waterfall hadn't been referenced since about minute five of the film, so I'd kind yeah. of forgotten about them until I was reading up on the film yeah. at the end. And yeah, so I think it, it was just kind of a, let's try and connect this film into like a, a, a plot that maybe everyone will be invested in. Yeah, and I'm think, like, yeah. if you trust people to have investment in your lead character, yeah. you don't need to do that. Yeah. And the interesting thing is they show that his brother is reasonable mm. towards her yeah. and so we feel he's a good guy yeah. he's not a good guy no, he's, he's just reasonable yeah he's like <laughs> that, that's yeah. how not aggressively yeah. everyone yeah. else is he comes across as some kind of like saint yeah. kind of thing but he's actually yeah just it's the the bar is incredibly low in this film <laughs> I mean, everybody else is like taping up her face and like yeah. abducting her in a car and leaving her on the street by yeah. herself. And yeah, I which... think there is an aspect to it, and I think still it's an important film. But there is definitely an aspect to it of that, that kind of um, tragedy porn, if you know what I mean. Like where it's just like it is all really shit things that happen. Let's see it, and it's like. And I think that's why it upset me so much because yeah. I because you know you have to watch this woman yeah. go through hell. Yeah, to, I think some, just to mourn her partner. Yeah, and, and you know that does happen, but like, you know, when everything about trans people is so miserable these days, like, yeah. I did just a bit of me just wanted to be able to see her smile. And culturally, this movie was pretty extraordinary because I, I think I'm right in saying that. Um, uh, I believe that the uh, reception from this film in Chile 
uh, meant that more pressure was put on the government and uh, made it then possible for them to pass legislation that means that trans people can now apply for ID that matches their gender identity. See, that stuff's really good though, because that's, that's like, so that shows how important right. films can be. So the film is really important. Um, but if we're, if we're watching it as just a film without considering that, then there are just things I would love to have been slightly lighter, maybe, and like um, more focused on her, I guess. But yeah, it is. But like, it's a short amount of time, and I think the the the. When you say slightly lighter, I, I think it starts off in such a romantic way. That is the yes, lightness, yes. and then. And it is beautiful. Because people might argue, well she's the person that he was having an affair with mm. or so the, the family aren't going to like her mm. in any way but it is also how you deal with that it's right. what you call someone mm. like they didn't yeah. have to they didn't have to dwell on the, the transgender issue they could have just gone you're a harlot because you're yeah yeah, yeah. and that's yeah if you take it out of the context of the rest of the trans media that we see, which is overwhelmingly like trans people having a shitty life, um, then the fact that it's quite dark, I think, doesn't matter quite so much. It's yeah. just if you like, if you're not watching this as a standalone film and you're watching a lot of trans media and all of it is depressing as fuck. Yeah. I think that's why I like Tangerine so much. Yeah, I think that's the kind of two good films to watch together because there is a yeah. there is a. Yeah. Uh, Watch a fantastic woman get really upset, yeah. and then watch Tangerine and get you know a bit upset, but yeah, also it's, it's heartfelt. It's kind of we're the, also watching this film as English speakers. Yeah, you know, true for sure. I think that, that there's a whole level of context which I think you've alluded to with when you're talking about them actually looking at um, yeah bills in Chile. Yeah, um, which is quite important, and yeah. sometimes we take for granted a little bit as Western mm. Westerners watching stuff like this because yeah. it's a big jump. Um, when it was released mm. like I'm really happy this film exists um, it's a four it's a four it's a solid four I think that's fair yeah. yeah I think at the time I probably gave it a five but I'd probably give it a four now people are allowed to change and grow James that's okay and grow <laughs> <laughs> um, much more I feel pretty much a four <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Is that because of the uh, the devices that didn't go anywhere? Yeah. yeah I yeah. feel like the yeah. devices that didn't go anywhere because I like devices and ex get excited by it. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, if I watch something like Knives Out, I go, "Oh, that's clever," or blah blah blah. Yeah. And you know. I've still not seen Knives Out. Knives. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I mean, not that the films are comparable in any way, but I just mean I. <laughs> like I love films. it when people do that because like, we shouldn't compare films and then spend the entire time <laughs> yeah. comparing films because it's impossible not to do it. Um, so we should work out what we're going to watch next. Next. Mark Small. Hi. Do you have a film you'd like to make us watch? Yes, and we can review next week. Yeah. So, after such um, uh, worthy <laughs> <laughs> movies, I feel like I should recommend a movie that has something clever about it, devices, yeah. but not necessarily as worthy. So I'm going to recommend the horror comedy Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I've seen this. Oh, but but I, I'm still standing by that I will watch it again and happily review it next week. Okay. Can you, can you repeat that, that song? <laughs> I've literally never heard of this movie. Have you not? No. It's What's it called? Tucker, Tucker and Dale, Dale versus Evil. Okay. 
Um, so, and when Nicole listens to this and that's one of their favourite films so she should be absolutely buzzing when we get okay, to talk about this week um, how, how long ago did this film come out? 2010, 2010. Okay, great. I'm going to forego my recommendation to you then um, so that can be we said we don't have to watch three films? Four, four films? yeah so we don't have to watch four films Okay, fair. unless you don't have a recommendation I, I do okay fine great. but I can't remember if you watched it yet go on um, have, you, have you finally seen Shop, Shoplifters yet? No, I haven't. Right, yes. I bought the DVD <laughs> recently. Right, you got it on great. DVD. Yes, okay, Shoplifters, it's great. So we'll be watching Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Um, we'll be watching Shoplifters. Um, and I need to pick a new one. Do you want to pick a new release? Yes, a new release. So it should probably be something that's going to get tipped at the Oscars, shouldn't it? That yeah. we haven't I mean, seen. So that's clearly Gerard Butler and Plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's get real about it. Should we, should we, now that The Fableman is out in this country, yeah. should we watch that? Seeing as Spielberg is probably going to win Best Director. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> should we do that? Yeah. Okay. When, when can we watch Tar? I really want to watch Tar. When's that out? Uh, I don't know. Has it got a release date yet? Is it coming out in the cinema? Um, TBC. TBC, yeah. Are you we'll secretly we'll going to do... watch Babylon? Huh? Are you secretly going to watch Babylon? Spamalot. Babylon. Babylon. <laughs> Babylon is the one. Damien Chazelle's. Uh, Damien Chazelle. Yes. I know you're his favourite. No, it's not that I don't like him. <laughs> he was. I, I just. I don't like La La Land. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> Good, fine. I don't like First Man. I love Whitbrush. Oh, First Man, that love, was so forgettable. I love Whitbrush, yeah. Podcast. The, the, um, Are you okay? <laughs> never. Um, the drums on that uh, jingle are played by the marvellous Marta Miranda, who is a Spanish actor musician who I've just finished working with, who was the swing in our panto. And um, everyone should go ahead and hire her. For everything? For everything, yeah. She, she plays like the saxophone and the piano and the drums and like a million things. Like, just go hire her. Do you her. shout over all of them quite like that? Yes. In fact, in the panto, it was a real struggle to not whenever she started playing an instrument just like <laughs> yeah but she's wonderful what, um, do you want to get off your chest okay I'll keep this short is it <laughs> that's, that's usually that's yeah. usually what people say when they don't kink okay like, I'll play you off don't worry yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do tell me to shut up um, revenue strikes are illegal in this country you keep stealing my things to rant about. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm just basically tired of Mick Lynch every time somebody does a Q&A with him about the strikes and somebody like inevitably calls in and it's like, well, in Japan, they keep the service running and just don't take fares, which means that the companies um, like uh, bear the brunt and not the customer. And Mick Lynch has to keep saying, I know. Um, that's what they do in other countries. I'd love to do that here. Uh, the Tories made it illegal. Um, and there's a bunch of like discussion online about like, well, it's not explicitly illegal. It is basically illegal. Yeah, it's it's the, in what do they call it? The minimum service something. Standard yeah. Or whatever. Um, it means basically the. Um, the uh, the strikers, um, if they do that, it's a breach of their contract, which means that it's no longer like a permissible strike action, and they can get fired. So that sucks. Um, and there's a bunch of legislation about like the fact that it's not allowed. Um, and also, when if it were to happen, the Tories would bail the rail companies out anyway. So in effect, it would still not affect them. So yeah, just please stop asking Mick Lynch why he doesn't run a revenue strike. 
because he has to keep saying they're not legal in this country. That's my soapbox. Yeah. But my soapbox is basically just frustrating. Just it's everything is very dystopian at the moment. Mm. It's very like, well, I think it's getting harder and harder to let people get away with just moaning about people striking because well the government are in a position now where they're basically just kind of lazily well they're, they're not starting a dialogue with, with, with anyone and they're, especially with the NHS I feel like they're just going to go well let's let them just keep striking until they look like the bad guys and then people annoyingly get frustrated with stuff like this and they just start to turn well I mean how long ago was it before everyone was outside clapping for, for the NHS and, 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 and as soon as they asked that, well conditions are terrible and we need to entice more people into the institution with decent wages and we need to train people properly no is the answer and then people that now they just get people get tired and they hear the word strike and they go oh do they want more money and it's like, I'm just tired of that conversation now. It's just, it's, it's real if you're going to have a problem with people striking, you should at least know why they're striking, basically. I think what I'm, is what I'm getting at. It will get to the point where we'll have a general strike. I think that that's where it's leading, anyway. But, like, um, fun stuff. Oh, there's all the stuff with D&D, &D, which is really annoying. Yeah. Basically, the, the, the cut and dry of it, because not a lot of people listen to this podcast play D&D, &D, but it just goes to show that nothing you love cannot be given a price. Um, basically, the people that own the rights to D&D have basically tried to change the Opal Open Gaming license, um, which basically means that third-party creators can create books, um, do like live playthroughs and stream and collect their own revenue from it. And it was a huge thing into the community that basically D&D wasn't owned and should be free to play. Basically, what they've done now is try to rewrite that license and basically go, any third-party creators need to give us a shitload of money, more or less, to, to use this system. Um, and it's basically just a money grab at the end of the day. To basically say that everyone that plays D&D has essentially now gone on strike, which is very, very kind of weird. But um, it has actually worked, and they basically come back and said, oh, we kind of fucked up a little bit and just realised that we're going to screw over half the people that play the game. But... Um, like I said, everything you love can be given a price and uh, will be sold for money if, it, if it's possible. They are the only company, though, that would do such a thing. It's not like oh, any yeah. movie place would go, oh, yeah, you could make your own Batman thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So they, they were super generous beforehand. Like, yeah, if we're going to yeah. play devil's advocate. Yeah, Except but I guess it's is, like... It, it hasn't been owned by Wizards of the Coast for very long. Yeah. They kind of only just took ownership of it. So it's like, basically, that, you know, it's, it, it, it's I think, just going against the ethos of the of the game that was, and now they own it, and now they're trying to. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it basically goes against the spirit of it, doesn't it, a little bit? But what's um, what's funny though? I just thought, like, if if you're going to talk about legal stuff, I'm sure like the Tolkien estate would have issues with a lot of stuff that gets written in those those official D and D groups. It's like, yeah. So what are we talking about elves then? Are we like orcs? Is it? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, it's a. It maybe it have a maybe it'll have a happy ending, unlike the Fantastic Woman, but the Fantastic Woman, but like, we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, are either of you looking forward to the film? So there is a technical boycott of the film as well. So technically, we're not supposed to go and watch it. But um, 
No, I'm not looking forward to the one ending. Because okay. I think it will miss out. I think if they're going to do it properly, what they should do is they should cast one character to play every single NPC in the game doing different voices. Yes, agreed. That would be very funny. That would be very funny. Yeah. Because and then that's what the, the dungeon master has to do. Just they to have to play the yeah. So they should just get one actor who basically has to ride around doing every single character in it. One of um, the most talented actors. Yeah. But or I, not even, it's just bad accents. I feel like in a soapbox where I don't really have a soapbox, I'm quite apathetic, so maybe my soapbox is apathy and people of this older generation <laughs> can just go, you know what? Stop moaning. Let younger people take over the world. You're done. <laughs> I'm so lazy at my age. I'm just like, okay, well, even if it doesn't go the way that I want it, I had my time. <laughs> like, why are people holding on to, oh, it should still be this way? And go, you fucked it up when you were doing it your way. If other people fuck it up, it's just other people doing it. Let it go. You should never be able to shape society longer than 10 to 15 years. Then everyone else should just move the fuck out of the way and go, right, this is who's going to be affected now, so let them say what they want to do and then move them on and who's next? I love you, Mark. Listen, there was a time in my life when I was young and I thought I was cool, and now I listen to Radio 4. <laughs> and I'm fine with it. But that doesn't mean I should be in charge of anything. It means I've cashed out. <laughs> That is going to be a motivational post on Instagram when this episode comes out. Mm. So if everyone gets to that point, just cash out. Great. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's my favourite soapbox. Um, um, yes, and that stuff. one is now the kind of. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm breathing. Breathe out. Um, calm down. Calm down, that's it. That's what I was waiting for. Yeah. Um, you're going to hate me for mine this week. Go on. Because it's football related. So I don't give a shit. I'm having a great time because I'm an Arsenal fan. And yeah. we're top of the league and we're eight points clear of Man City. Yeah. That's massive. No, that is massive. Yeah. Um, how are Arsenal women doing? Do you know? Not as well, mm. but they always do relatively well. I think they're second in the league. Okay, they great. lost to Chelsea recently. It's fine. But it's, it's yeah. very fun. Because Arsenal fans <laughs> haven't been having a good time for a while. So no. that's great. For like, relatively, relatively, but um, that's my calm down. Lovely. And I'm going to see the football with my dad tomorrow, so that's fun. Yay. Yeah. Actual things that make me happy, football, weirdly. Great. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Ted Hansen. Psst, Ted Lasso. <laughs> the TV show. We'll, we'll, we'll talk Lasso. about this. That's the one with the, the, the actor. Words. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's supposed to be good. Nailed it. Yeah. Is that football related? Yeah. Yes. We'll right, talk that yeah. makes sense. We'll talk about it in our news segment next week because I'm watching it. Okay. Yeah. I might start watching it. Though. You've only started watching it? I'm, I'm halfway through season two. Oh, okay. Yeah. What um, is great? Made you feel slightly better about possibly the worst week ever. <laughs> um, Mark Small, do you want to go first? Because mine is the song. Oh, oh okay. the song? I've heard. Uh, what's made me feel better? Just coming out doing this podcast. That was lovely. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, it. The, the, not that you've cashed out. Is that no, 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 no. I mean, no. we've loved having you because you—it's—it's it's been like having an adult in the room, frankly. Because uh, <laughs> we're just two chaos goblins <laughs> and drink beer and do this podcast. So yeah, you, everything you've said has been super smart, and I've I'm just really it. glad that I get to watch Tucker and Dale versus, Dale versus Evil again. You're gonna 
either you're going to love it or you're going to go, why has he done this to me? <laughs> I can't wait. This is, this is yeah, it'd be fun to review. Yeah. Great. Um, so mine is... Right. Uh, just, just tell me when you need me. Mine is a song that's come out this week. Uh, oh, it's come out this week? I think so. Um, and it's there's a lot of internet law going on around it at the moment law. of like people being like, oh, she's put the hints in the music video, so we know it's about this person and this person, and blah, and she filmed it in this house, which means this, and blah, blah. I'm not into all that. Um, but uh, the song itself, as a song, uh, as somebody who has been in bad relationships, spoke um, to me right, and I cool. love I love it and I've been dancing to this in the shower uh, and it's Miley Cyrus's Flowers it's playing through the soundboard huh? I didn't know it was going to play through the soundboard I thought you were going to oh I'm very excited well it's playing through this I'm so happy um, we should talk until the chorus and then the chorus will be the end of the podcast okay fair um, thank you all for listening all 15 of you um, well, there's more there was 18 and someone in France is listening Thank you if you're in France, and this is the chorus. Scrap! Record scratch, freeze frame. Uh, the capitalists got us, folks. Uh, we were not allowed to play the song. Uh, so, yeah, it's available for free on YouTube. Go hear it there. It's called Flowers. It's by Miley Cyrus, and it's about doing nice things for yourself in spite of being in terrible relationships in the past. Um, so, uh, Thank you to our very first guest, Mark Small. And also here's me singing some non-copyright music uh, that we can end the podcast with. That maybe, maybe if I'm improvising well, it will have a similar theme. Uh, sometimes you have to do nice things for yourself, like singing in your bathroom, like I'm doing right now. Singing in the bathroom, singing in the bathroom. Singing in the bathroom, and that's how we end the show. Meow.